0: This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of
1: grace. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate, your host for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. You know, we talked in recent weeks about the ascension. Christ has He died, he rose again, he ascended, he's at the right hand of God the Father. He's interceding on our behalf. He sent his Holy Spirit to enter our our heart and our soul as we received him. We are also empowered by him uh, to become more Christ-like, to transform our bodies, uh, to transform our hearts and our minds, to live for him now because he is coming back. That is a sure thing. And so today we want to talk about how shall we live now in light of this truth. Leonard Ravenhill said, The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Think about that. And that's what we're going to be talking about today with our guest, Mark Ray. Mark has a substantial history with Grace School of Theology, including being an original board of trustee member and a primary advisor from the earliest days of our seminary. Mark holds a Master of Biblical Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary and a Master of Divinity from Grace School of Theology. He has served churches as an associate pastor and as a lead pastor, He has served as COO of a major evangelistic ministry, and we're excited to announce that Mark Ray is the new Vice President of Community Development here at Grace. He will also serve as the Executive Director for the Center for Grace, a new institute that we will uh, be excited uh, to tell you about as we launch that in days ahead. Mark has a passion for training and discipleship, and it's so exciting to have him join our team. So, Mark. Welcome back.
0: Thank you, Carmen. I'm I'm excited about this this kind of wrap up to what we've been yes. looking at pre Easter and post Easter.
1: Well, thanks it's, for having well, me. Well, it's been very uh, just enlightening and motivating, challenging uh, to realize uh, really and truly what Christ has done, what He is doing, uh, and what He will do. Yes. So exciting times. Well, you know, Christ often spoke in parables to the disciples. What can we learn about Christ's return and our time of waiting for him to return when we consider the parable of the faithful servant that's found in Luke 12?
0: Well, there's a number of things that we can take away from when you look at the faithful servant because the faithful servant did a number of things to prepare for the imminent return of Christ, not necessarily knowing when they're going to come. I would put it this way. If you have relatives that are coming to visit, how do you prepare your house? Mm. You make the beds, you wash the clothes, yeah. you get the food, you do the things ready to make the house ready, to make yourselves ready for the coming of, of relatives. Sure. Well, here's the return of Christ. The difference is, typically, you know when your relatives are coming. In this particular case, we don't know when Christ is going to return. So the charge to the faithful servant, keep your yourself girded, literally Pull your cloak up around and tie it off around your waist so you don't trip in your cloak. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keep your lamps burning. Trim your wicks. Keep the oil in. Keep doing the... And notice those are all small things that the faithful servant does. It doesn't say whitewash the entire house and Mm -hmm. rebuild, put a new room on. No, it is just these little small things that are the small works that are continually preparing for Christ to return. Let me put it in this category. Um, Christ is, well, in John 14, we love to be able to say Christ goes to prepare a place for us. Yes. We've read that passage. It's yes. read at funerals. It's read in a lot of different places. Christ says, I go to prepare a place. for My, my father's house is a, is a big house with many mansions, mm-hmm. and I go to prepare a place for you. And we think to ourselves, man, what a great thing that I get to go have this mansion. Mm-hmm. The question we never seem to ask ourselves is, who indwells me now? And what does my house look like now? Have Uh, I prepared my house now for the indwelling of Christ, for his Holy Spirit to be in me? What does my house look like now? Wow! So with this, what we see the faithful servant doing is preparing the house, Mm -hmm. keeping the little things done so that when the master comes home, he finds the house prepped and ready for him whenever he returns. Well, we have the indwelling Christ in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And the question I would ask is, what's our house look like?
1: Yeah.
0: Are we keeping this house? Because we know Christ is going to be faithful for our house ultimately in eternity. Right. But it's also the side of it that says while we wait for his return, we do those little things because they affect us now, but they also affect us for all of eternity. Yes. That's, that's an incredible joy that we get a chance to affect our eternity today. I agree. But as Ravenhill said, you only have a certain amount of time. <laughs>
1: That's right. And, and we don't know how long that is. And the urgency <laughs> is he
0: could come at any moment. So yes. that time could be today, tomorrow, the next yes. day, but it could also be 20, 30, 40 years from now. We don't yes. know, which puts the hope of his return squarely in the middle of what we do and how we do it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I can so relate to this because uh, I am, as, as you know, in remission from leukemia mm-hmm. and uh It's amazing when you are faced with your mortality, that you have a different perspective on your life now, finishing well, uh, your priority list changes completely. And, you know, the sad thing about it is, it's like, well, why why does it take uh, a, a sickness or a you know, a calamity in your life for you to realize the importance of getting your priorities set right and your, you know, making, simplifying your life so that your focus is in fact Christ-centered. So
0: I, I, I think there's a, there's something in us that says I'll always have time. Yes. Um, Larry Moyer, uh, the head of a ministry, an evangelistic ministry called Evantel, said one of the hardest things he had with training people in evangelism is they would think that they had time For their loved ones to hear christ or they see somebody who's coming on their deathbed and it's the time to share christ but what he tried to remind people of was this you don't know how much time you have
1: Mm, yes
0: it's it's one of those wake up calls that there is a certain amount of time he's appointed us each one time to die there is a time in which we will come face to face with him and he's going to ask us the question What did you do with the time you had? Mm. The faithful servant says, I did the things necessary to prepare the place so when he returns, I'm ready. Yes, That's what he calls us to do. While we're waiting, we're Mm -hmm. faithful to do what he's called us to do.
1: Yes, yes. Very well said. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment Mm -hmm. seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, According to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, that passage obviously talks about works. Yes. But it seems some confuse uh, that passage with, well, that's how you get to heaven. Right. Let's talk about that.
0: Well, it's always uh, always surprised me that people think this is a heaven or hell issue. Mm -hmm. When Paul very clearly states, according to what he has done, it's not according to who he is. It's Uh according to what he's done. Primarily, it's because we equate, if I do enough good, then I go to heaven. Mm -hmm. What that does is that completely discounts Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Yes. Because if I can get to heaven on my own, then Jesus didn't have to die. Well, guess what? If Jesus didn't have to die, then what kind of a monster is God? Uh, He's not uh. a God of love. He sent his own son to die for no reason. Mm -hmm. No, on the other hand, this passage, as Paul says, is for those who already are in Christ, names are written in the book of life, Therein, and this is to determine the quality of what they've done in this life, those works will be judged and will be applied to their eternal life. That's that's what the judgment seat of Christ is all about. It is about what you're doing now, which tells us that our life today matters for eternity. Absolutely. And that passage attests to, we're saved. Yes. But here's the role that works play.
1: Exactly. Works
0: play a huge role in the life of the believer, not in terms of their salvation, but in terms of their eternity, the yes. quality of life in eternity.
1: You know, I think about how much planning and time and effort and resources and all that we put into this life now, right? And and we really don't stop to realize it is just that dot on a long line, isn't it? Because eternity is eternity. <laughs> that is forever.
0: Um Yes, that's exactly correct. We, we, you know, you, If you put a timeline out there and you showed eternity going on ad infinitum, right? and you looked at our life, our life is this long.
1: Yeah, just a, just a little smudge. So
0: let's say out of a 10-mile-long piece of cloth, string, the first 5 inches is our life. Out of 10 miles, the first 5 inches is our life. Look at 1 inch beyond that, and the world says that 1 inch is what you live for. Mm. You live for retirement, you live for the good life, you live for that. Because after that, there's nothing what Christianity tells us and what Christ tells us. Paul says here, yeah. those five inches matter for 10 miles. Yes. They, they affect, and as Ravenhill says, you only have those five inches. <laughs> That's, That's right. all you get. Uh, but those five inches, you get the opportunity mm-hmm. to affect 10 miles of eternity. Mm by doing the works that Christ has called you to do in those five, five inches.
1: That's excellent. Uh, I might encourage our listeners to always feel free to look back in our archives. We've mm-hmm. done complete programs on the judgment seat of Christ, the what great white throne judgment and the difference in the two and, and, and what our eternity might look like based mm-hmm. on what we know from Scripture. So I inc- encourage you to go back and always listen to programs from the past as well. Well, you know, Mark, one of the surprises in the parable of the faithful servant is that Christ will dress himself to serve. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now how do you feel that we are supposed to grasp this, to understand this? What what is that saying?
0: Well, let me take you to to Philippians. In chapter 2 of the book of Philippians, Paul tells us that Christ came first in obedience to the will of the Father. Christ came first as a as a servant, not as a man. He came first as a servant. Mm-hmm there's our example. That's yes. the model that we are to follow. And Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, what's that mm-hmm. imitation look like?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're to serve the upper room. Of course. What does Jesus tell the disciples is the prime example of loving one another. It is to serve, one another. to serve, washing each other's feet. We get this suffering servant. We get this beautiful picture of the servanthood of Jesus Christ, which If you stop just for a moment and think about it, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The God of the universe who has come down, limited himself by being human in all that he could do, limited himself and served us and served us in the most magnificent manner by going to the cross so that we could through him have access to the very throne room of God Mm -hmm. for all eternity. That service. What we see in this is we see the beautiful example of Jesus Christ serving. And the model that he gives us is serve. Yes. That's what we're called to. Yes. Yeah.
1: And and we, I think uh, oftentimes we assume that it's it's really not at that level, but it was for him. He, he literally served.
0: S- something. Yes. And, and if you think about it, in the mm-hmm. upper room, he washed the disciples' oh, feet. Yes. Th- these were guys who wore open-toed sandals in the streets. Oh. So these feet were not, these were not. Pretty mm-hmm. sights to be able to, yeah. to wash and clean. This was an ugly job that it actually was meant for the servant of the household to do. Mm. And Jesus girds himself, prepares himself, sits down and does that and serves the disciples that way. Even yes. to the point of Peter saying, you're not going to do that to me.
1: Yes, and, yes. And
0: Jesus says, if you don't have this attitude, if you don't serve like this, if you don't allow me to do this, mm-hmm. you have no part of me. Yes. That's how serious Jesus was about his disciples being servants how serious he is about us being servants.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that because uh, I think, too, our pride always (laughs) steps in, doesn't it? Yes. And and we'll say, well, you know, I'm gifted to be a teacher. So I don't think I can work in the nursery or I don't think I'm going to do this or that. In other words, it's like we pick and choose what we think is appropriate according to our gifts. And yet, though the Lord may gift us to be a teacher or, or whatever, he still may ask us to do those what we would consider in our prideful minds menial jobs, right?
0: Well, there's there's no question that we have gifts. There's no mm-hmm. question we have talents and experiences.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the minute we say, and I'm, I'm going to put it this way, the minute yeah. we say, I choose what those are, we've just taken God out of the picture. Boy, we have. We've just right. taken the Holy Spirit and His direction out of the picture. Mm-hmm. And what we've basically said is, I know what's best. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, again, let's go back to Ephesians 2, we have these works that he's already prepared for us. Yes. And if Christ says something like, when you give a drink of water to someone in need, you've basically served me. Mm-hmm. Then how important are the menial things? How important yeah. are the things that are done that only God sees because they're done from the right heart. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that you don't use your gifts, you don't use your talents. You definitely do that. Yes. But if you do that to the sole exclusion of somebody's in need in front of you, here's an opportunity to serve. Here's whatever this looks like over here. Then you're doing it out of me rather than doing it out of the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes.
1: And that's very important for us to discern that in those moments. Well, yes.
0: Personally, I believe those those works, as my wife says, those works burn up. They just, you know, they're they're gone Um, and and when they burn up, what you really want to make sure that is there is the works that I have done are what Christ has called me to do, because Mm -hmm. those are the works that will last. They will last. Now you're back to the the judgment seat of Christ, the works that will last.
1: Yes. Yes. Do you have just practical advice for those who are saying, well, you know, I want to serve the Lord and I want to be obedient and where do I even begin to find those opportunities?
0: Sure. There's a really simple place to start. Ask Him. Mm. He indwells you. He knows what you want. He knows your desires. He knows your heart. He knows what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. The first simple place to do is spend some time with Him asking Him, where do I start? What needs to be done? Am I the person to do that? Point me in the right direction. Lead me. This is where you yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If He's already prepared the works beforehand, then he knows what those works are that you're supposed to do. Yes. So by just simply prayerfully, humbly asking him, what do you mm-hmm. want me to do? And then quietly listening as he, uh, he will direct you. Yes, I promise will. you, he will direct you. He
1: absolutely will. And you know, one of the things that I have found in my own experience, Mark, is that where he has placed you for whatever reason maybe your husband was transferred or maybe whatever wherever he's placed you whether it be job wise church wise community wise uh he's at work there no doubt and if we keep our spiritual eyes open i say by and by that i mean staying in his word and staying focused in prayer uh he'll show us where he's at work in those areas and you will be put to work if you are available well
0: and and think of the beauty of that carmen you're getting a chance to partner With the God of the universe. Oh,
1: how incredible. In a
0: work that will affect not only now, Mm -hmm. but will affect all of eternity. Why would I not want to be engaged in that kind of work? Exactly. So I want to hear him say, go here. I want to hear him say, do that, because that's where I want to be doing the work.
1: Mm -hmm. I want to be
0: doing the work that that he says, this is where I want you to be. That's right. Great point. That's right.
1: Yeah. Well, the familiar story of the woman who was healed by Christ. Following 18 years of infirmity, uh, very familiar story, story, particularly among women, but it really provides a beautiful picture of God's grace in providing an opportunity for us to see where he's at work, how he works. Uh, what, what, what do you feel we can lo- learn from that story?
0: There's two or three things that, uh, that, again, I love the ironies of Scripture. Here's the first thing. Christ is preaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. He's working on the Sabbath. The law said it's you don't no work no. on the Sabbath. It was a no-no. <laughs> but Jesus is working on the Sabbath and yet yeah. the religious leaders, when he heals the woman who's been in pain for mm. years, years, and and years and years yeah. and years and years and years, he heals her. And what he is rebuked for is not that he was preaching and working on the Sabbath, it's that he healed somebody on the Sabbath. and Christ really puts the the rigidity of legalism Versus the the flexibility of grace into stark contrast, Mm. because he heals the woman, yes, showers this grace upon her. But the religious leader who takes him to task, he shows that's not the way. This is not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom doesn't work in the rigidity of you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. The kingdom operates on the love of God and the grace of God. And it's going to be poured out on whomever, whenever that presents itself. It's this really beautiful statement because it's also a statement of her faith.
1: Mm-hmm. He heals
0: her on the basis of her faith. Yes. Does the religious leader have that faith? Uh,
1: didn't appear so. <laughs> he's, he's walking
0: on the black and white of you do this, you don't do this. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. walking on. That's Jesus. He can heal me. That faith. And he says, that's, that's the kingdom of God at work right there. Mm-hmm. Kingdom of God that works on faith and works on love and works on grace, mm-hmm. not the rigidity of the black and white.
1: Yes. Yes. And I'm so thankful. Oh. <laughs> so thankful. I can't keep up with all the rules. <laughs> well,
0: not to mention the fact if if that was what it was on,
1: none of us would qualify. We wouldn't. Not one of us. Right. Oh, his amazing grace. Well, you know, we, we talk about, you know, being available and being obedient and looking and seeing where God is at work. and. But it's also important for us to be prepared for those opportunities. In other words, I I may want to be a teacher, Uh, I may be gifted to be a teacher, but if I don't prepare, then that's not going to work, is it?
0: (laughs) Well, and there are circumstances in which God may put you in that opportunity, but I will tell you the best teachers that I know, Mm -hmm. the best preachers that I know, the best at anything that I know were not there when they first started. There's been a process that they have been taught and trained Mm -hmm. and worked at. And there is a, I mean, the scriptures call it labor. There is work that is done. And there is work that is done to prepare you for that. Yes. So there are, there is the work that's done, giftings. But there's also just the simple, plain, everyday, being faithful to who you are in Christ. Mm -hmm. Those two things work hand in hand. It's almost like you have this. Here's what you've been gifted with. Go do it, yes. but you dare never lose this for well, let's go to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we know all the gifts, all the talents, all the experience, everything that Jesus had as mm-hmm. the son of God. Mm-hmm. And yet look at all of the different times that he stooped over and recognized and spoke to and did things for the least of these mm.
1: yeah.
0: healed the sick, the blind, the lame. Wine in a wedding, how many times right. he did very specific things that you would have looked at and said, "You're wasting your time here. Mm. You could be doing these
1: big ten banks. million people <laughs>
0: revivals, mm. all this that you could be doing, and yet mm. what Christ saw was those little things mattered to that person, and what is God going to do with that person? Could that expand the kingdom sure could that could that then affect one after another after mm-hmm. another? Absolutely absolutely. Now, the beauty of that is that Christ has that. The beauty of that also is that he indwells us. Oh. So if we're listening, he's going to point us to where he wants us to be engaged.
1: Mm-hmm. He certainly is. Oh, excellent. Well, it seems that we really seldom stop to consider the kingdom of God, <laughs> what it's going to be like. and in, in Luke 13, 18-21, Christ shares another parable to give us some insight Uh talk about this parable and and what we can glean from, from that passage.
0: It's one of my absolute favorite parables, and it's one of my favorite parables simply because the kingdom of God is described as the smallest seed on the planet. The smallest seed on the planet that ultimately, when planted, watered, fertilized, blossoms and grows so that even the birds have a place to land. He's talking about the kingdom, and what he's talking about in the kingdom is something very small that starts very small. Let's talk about the kingdom that Christ built. Mm-hmm. Where did it start? Jesus, he gets baptized by John in the Jordan. He finds 12, I had a seminary professor that used to say 12 mud farmers. <laughs> These are 12 guys. <laughs> Unlikely, and, and 12 guys that, yeah. let's be honest, most of us would never have even hired mm-hmm. those 12 guys for our business. 12 guys and yet what he does over three years is he plants mm-hmm. and he plants and he waters and he fertilizes in these 12 guys, a very small work. And then he leaves and he says, now it's yours. Those 12 guys, I'm here to tell you, Carmen, what he built into those 12 guys, if they weren't serious, and ultimately you got to take Judas out of it and put Matthias in it. But those 12 guys were serious enough about the expansion of the kingdom of God that you and I are beneficiaries of that today. today. If they had said, this is a farce, He's gone. We're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. The faith dies. And by the way, with Jesus, there was no plan B. The disciples Mm -hmm. were plan A and he planted everything into these 12 guys Mm -hmm. to the point that when he left, they get by the power of the Holy Spirit turned and released a small mustard seed that now grows into where we are today. Millions and millions and millions and and the, the beauty of it is he's planted that mustard seed in you. Mm-hmm. He's planted that mustard seed in me. We grow, we plant that seed in somebody else. They grow the kingdom expands all by virtue of mm-hmm. the beauty of what we get a chance to participate in. And it could be something as small as planting another mustard seed because you did a nice job, a nice work for somebody else. Yes. Something as small as that, that God then rewards mm-hmm. with this earth, with what you do here, and He rewards you for all eternity for, eternity for that. What a magnificent thing to be wow. part of!
1: What a plan! <laughs> what, <laughs> what a, a plan. plan! Only God could come Only up with that. Only God could do that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Well, so Christ has given each of us the grace to do something, no matter how small. Uh, when it's done in His in His name for His glory, it is significant.
0: It is significant.
1: Yes. Is that a proper understanding of how we get started? In this life of service, let's say we have people listening today, maybe been believers for, for ages, and they're going, you know what, I've never really served anyone, <laughs> but maybe there's a little bit of conviction today, you know, I, I, I love the Lord, look at all he's done for me, I want to give myself back to him, How, what, is, what is your recommendation for getting started?
0: Well, there's a couple things, first of all, you, you framed it very, very well. Um, look at everything that Christ has done for me. That should be a motivation for now. I want to do something in return. If that's not a motivation, then there is also the motivation of I don't know when He's coming back, and I only have a certain amount of time to do it in. That should also be a motivation mm-hmm. for this. These should not be um, these should not be things that we shy away from. These should be things that say, "Man, let's get going. Uh-huh. Let's get after it." Uh-huh. I will go back to again if if. If you're one of those that has said, I've never really served him and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Ask him, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And it may be something as simple as asking him to make himself known right in front of you. You know, the old Henry Blackaby, see where Christ is at work and go join him. Yes. So show me just simply show me where you're at work and then show me the opportunity to go in. You know, a number of times when I was involved with an evangelistic organization, I used to tell people, pray for five people and the Mm -hmm. opportunity to share, that God would raise up just one of those five for you to have the opportunity to share with. Okay, so now let me take that and extrapolate that forward. If I've never served, Lord, show me Mm -hmm. the opportunities in front of me and where you want me to. He's going to show you because he knows what that does for you. He knows the rewards that, that... the expansion of the kingdom and the rewards now and in the future that those will afford. Yes, that's what he's desiring for you. He is. And so, ask him, and he's he's going to point you in that direction.
1: Awesome, uh, Mark. It's been a great four weeks we've had <laughs> together to to talk about the cross, the resurrection, uh, the ascension, and now these opportunities of a lifetime. Uh, thank you for pouring yourself out for our audience, and, and I know that uh, they've all been blessed as I have been.
0: It's absolutely been my pleasure. I've loved doing it.
1: Well, we look forward to having you back to talk thank about you. the new center and uh, here at Grace, and, and we've got a lot more to discuss. Yes, so. we do.
0: Thank you, Carmen.
1: Thank you. And thank you, listeners. You know, again, it's our prayer that you will enjoy our programs, and more importantly, that you would be drawn to understand who Christ is on a deeper level, a more intimate level. And we just encourage you to get into his word, to really know this Christ who came to die for your sins so that you might spend eternity with him. And as we've been saying today, he is coming back. And so we want you to have every opportunity to fulfill the purpose that God has called you to fulfill And, you know, you can do that also by uh, increasing your knowledge through courses here at Grace School of Theology. If you've not checked us out, please do so. There might be courses that you've been looking for that will help you to have a deeper knowledge of God's Word. And, you know, you may have friends and family who need to hear about God's amazing grace. We would think that our uh, podcasts are a perfect way for you to begin that conversation with them If you have ideas for topics, if you have questions about the program or things that we discussed, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at savinggrace at gsot.edu or you can tweet us at savinggracecast. Again, thanks for tuning in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and it can never be lost.
0: You have been listening to Saving Grace a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash grace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.